level of depravity in some humans is just astounding. Human monsters exist, and you may be living right next door to one. In last week's episode, I talked about one of those monsters and played a very long 999 call about a man who had murdered his wife and called police to confess it. The call was nearly 20 minutes long, so I only played that one call. Today's episode will be sort of a continuation of that episode, still with the 999 calls, but will be with a few shorter calls that absolutely will evoke all sorts of feelings. It will be one of those roller coaster type episodes with some really shocking audio and details. After reading a couple comments on the Facebook discussion group about how nice sounding the British are, you might change your mind after today's episode. There are horrible criminals everywhere, no matter what country you're in. Just a bit of warning up front, this one will involve children. Welcome back to Music City 911. Please, please, please help me, please. Where are you? My son's not here. My boy's not here. Take a breath. Take a breath because I can't understand you when you're crying. Where are you? Five. Lower Lancer Freddy's a song. Lower what, sorry? Lower Lancer Freddy's a song. Send him somebody who's not here. Who's not there? My son, he's five. He's not here. Okay, take a breath. When did you see him last? I sent him in the bed last night and I just got up for my son and he's the other one's not here. Logan! Okay, take a breath. He's five and he's gone. Can you see it? Logan! Logan! I need, I need you to speak to me, not just shout. I know it's really full on and it's really scary. What's his name? Is his name Logan? Logan, Logan Williams. And he's five. Is he five, did you say? He's five, please. Tell me what he looks like, please. He's a little mixed race boy. He's just got his spidey pajamas on. Where is she? Okay, is anybody else there with you? Any other adult? Yeah, my partner. He's looking now. Right. Are any of the doors or windows open? What doors, windows, what's open? Someone tell me what. Take a breath. I, I know that this is terrifying. Right now I need to try to breathe so I can get the information I need. Can you my, see? Back, my back gate is open. My back gate is okay, open. Back gate, where does the back gate lead it to be to? I don't know what the road's called. That's fine. It leads onto a road as opposed to a field or anything like that, does it? Okay. I'm, walking, I'm running right. up it now. It's concrete. Okay. What's your name? What's, you look him now. What's your name? I need to know your name a second. I'm Harrod. Okay, I'm Harrod. I really need you to just take a breath for a second, okay? Because you're starting to hyperventilate. I know that this is very, very scary. I need what? you to stay in the house. So who's run out after Logan? My my, my partner. Your partner has. Okay. So Dad's gone out looking. Yeah. What's Dad's name? John Cole. He's stepdad, but virtually dad. This call, obviously a very emotional one. A mother finds out her son is missing, and she's going to be a wreck. That's a very common thing. The 
The dispatcher was doing what she could to try and calm the caller down, but it was very difficult. The caller was given the info requested. It just wasn't coming very quickly. She was shouting for her child, repeatedly screaming, Logan. Then I'm assuming after she walked outside, she noticed the back gate left open as if someone had been through it. She later told the police that he had left the house with no coat or shoes. As a parent, your mind almost immediately goes to a dark place, wondering if something bad has happened to your child. If he or she is lost, scared, and can't find their way home. Or maybe they've went out on their own and had some sort of accident that has them hurt. Or the worst thought, someone has taken your child and is now hurting them or worse. Logan Mwangi was born on March 15, 2016 in the Princess of Wales Hospital in Bridgen, Wales. His mother, Ingrid Williamson, was the one you heard on the call frantically talking with the dispatcher. CCTV camera footage from the area pointing at Logan's house shows his mother while she was on the phone with dispatch walking out of the house and through the gate she was talking about on the 911 call. Police got to the house that Logan and his mother lived in with his stepfather, John Cole, and his stepbrother, 13-year-old Craig Mulligan. Officers asked questions regarding Logan's description, normal things you would do when searching for a missing child. His name, age, weight, height, what he was last seen wearing, etc. They also tried to establish a timeline of when he went missing along with how his mother came to find out that he was missing. Logan's mother said she wasn't sure about a few of those questions. She said that her and everyone else had been sleeping all night. No one had been moving around the house that she knew of. She said she immediately called 999 as soon as she woke and found Logan missing. Within minutes, the search was on and police were scouring the area for Logan looking for any signs that would lead to finding him. His stepdad and stepbrother were also out looking for him, both seen at one point on CCTV camera, walking along the side of the River Ogmore, shouting his name, hoping to get some sort of response. Police also continued walking the river. Two officers were close by Pandy Park, just a few hundred feet away from the house, when one of them saw something floating in the river. When they got closer... They noticed it was a small boy. One of the officers dove in the river to pull the boy out. Once out of the water, police determined from his description that it was Logan. He was pronounced dead at the scene. While officers were combing the scene around where Logan's body was found for evidence, other officers remained at the house to take a report from his mother. She hadn't been told that he had been found. Certain things were odd about the circumstances, though. She had said she woke up and immediately saw that Logan was missing and then dialed police. Initial responding officers noticed something that was conflicting with that story. Her washing machine was turned on with a load inside of it. If she immediately called once waking up and seeing her son gone, why would she then put in a load in the wash? Police started questioning neighbors as well. They wanted to see if anyone saw anything at all, 
They also wanted to view any security camera footage that neighbors might have that could have shown what time Logan had left the house, whether he was alone or if someone was with him. They found a neighbor that had the footage I had mentioned before showing Logan's mom making the call 999 and his stepdad and stepbrother walking beside police along the riverside shouting his name. They viewed hours of footage and the camera pointing towards Logan's house saw a light being turned on multiple times during the night in Logan's room with people creating shadows in the window and through the curtains. At 2.43 a.m., it shows two figures walking out of the house, carrying something, and exiting the gate. It was later determined that Logan was being carried out by his stepdad and stepbrother, and less than a minute later, while they were still gone, Logan's mother turned the light on in his room and opened the curtain. Investigations continued after Logan's body was taken to a local hospital to try and determine what his cause of death was. Initially, when he was found, it was thought that Logan may have drowned. When investigators started examining him, they began finding various injuries to him that were not at all consistent with a drowning. External bruising combined with extensive internal injuries, including a lacerated liver, a broken collarbone, numerous brain injuries, and even a degloving of part of his small intestine. The total visible injuries numbered well over 50. Logan's medical history began to be investigated as well. In the months prior to his death, his mother had brought him to a hospital when he was complaining of shoulder pain. She said that he had fallen down some stairs and dislocated his shoulder, and then she popped it back into place and then sent him to bed with a medicine called Calpol, which is a liquid ibuprofen-based medicine made for infants and small children. Over the next few days, police continued their investigation. The injuries sustained to Logan were not all fresh. Some had been there for months. It was determined that he had been continually abused, with his final days being beaten so much that doctors said his injuries were consistent with someone involved in a long fall over 30 feet or that had been involved in a high-velocity traffic collision. Digging deeper into the security camera footage, it was determined that the two people leaving the house at 2.43 a.m. were Logan's stepdad and stepbrother. They were carrying his body and ended up dumping him in the river, later to be shown returning to the house and leaving again with Logan's pajamas. Later, footage from the same camera, you could hear a loud argument involving Logan's mother and a male in the house. This is around 5 a.m., 40 full minutes before she had dialed 999. Following the information they had obtained from the CCTV cameras, along with inconsistencies with statements given, it was believed that all three of the others in the house had at least something to do with Logan's death. Family and other witnesses were interviewed and dark scenes were found out. Logan's mother, Ingrid Williamson, had Logan with a man named Benjamin Mwangi, who was of Kenyan heritage. They had met through mutual friends and began their relationship in 2014 and then had Logan in 2016. Ingrid had a dicey past, though. 
having been arrested for unauthorized use of her mother's credit cards, as well as stealing a vehicle. John Cole, Logan's stepfather, also had a criminal record for various things, including assault, resisting arrest, and burglary. He was also believed to have racist beliefs and was possibly part of a far-right group called the National Front and didn't like that Logan was biracial, calling him derogatory names like Coco Pop. Former friends of John's confirmed he was very racist towards anyone who was different. John was seen to be constantly doing bad things to Logan, making him do push-ups until his arms shook and would make him stand in the corner for punishment for as long as 30 minutes at a time. And if he ever needed to use the bathroom, the clock would start over. Logan's 13-year-old stepbrother, Craig, who was actually John's stepson from a previous relationship, had only moved into Logan's house five days before his murder. He had moved around in the foster care system for a while. While in the care of one family, they reported him saying violent things to other children in the house, such as asking them to play the murder game, where he wanted to put them into plastic trash bags, and that he wanted to kill the five-year-old, which was the only thing he would call Logan. He was also found to have kept knives under his pillow and abused pets in the family. While it's still unknown as to exactly what happened the night of Logan's death, it's believed that long-term abuse combined with whatever happened that night both contributed. Based on all these things, Logan's mother, stepfather, and stepbrother were all three arrested under suspicion of murder. Police body-worn camera footage captured their arrest. So, this is John, okay? Alright, John. Right. You've obviously got to speak to well, What I need to tell you now, okay? It's 1822. That's right. I'm arresting you on suspicion of a murder of Logan. What? I do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention a wet question, something which you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be given evidence, okay? The necessity for my arrest of you today is for a prompt, arrest, prompt and effective investigation of another person and to prevent the loss of skill of any additional evidence we need. Okay? Right. Hey, what's up? What? Hey, John, calm down a second. <clears throat> what are we going to do now? Okay? I'll just follow up. I'll still expect That was John's arrest, and it's followed up by Logan's mother. Why am I getting in the best Right, do you want to have a sit down by there in a minute? Do you want to have a sit down by you in a minute? I'm going to sit by you now. Sit down on the Why are you not doing anything? Why are you not doing anything? Do you want to have a sit down by there in a minute, right? Don't want you falling down, right? Have a sit down by there, okay? Okay. Right, you're under arrest suspicion of murder, okay? So you do not you do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention one question, something which you make you like call. Anything you do say may be given evidence. Necessity for the arrest, okay? Is to prevent loss of property, to allow a prompt and effective investigation, and to um, protect vulnerable persons and children, okay? So we get social services. Okay, it's as part of the investigation. Oh, I haven't done anything wrong. Okay. 
Where is Logan? Where is Logan? He's still, he's still with us in the morning. He's still, he's still in the hospital with doctors. What happened to him? Can't explain anything further at the moment. Why is nobody talking to me? You're supposed to be helping find out what happened, not arresting me when I'm telling you my son. Okay. What is yes. wrong with you guys? You're supposed okay. to be helping me. I'm had, I understand you're upset. I understand. Is your son dead? Is your son being okay, found I'm in a river? Okay, I'm Harrod. We, we understand you're very upset. We've all investigated. I'm very upset. Really? I've just lost I'm my son. Upset. You've taken my other children away. After being arrested and taken to the police station for further interviews, the trio continued on with their collective stories of innocence, proclaiming they had nothing at all to do with Logan's death. The most standout of all the performances was from Logan's mother. She initially maintained her same level of sadness and devastation she had in her 999 call, but after stories from each of those arrested started changing and bits of evidence were presented, all their moods changed from what they were to being angry and defensive. The story of the night started unfolding. Angrid said Logan had a bath and then put on his pajamas. Then he didn't want to go to bed. John then arrived in the room and started shouting at him. When he still refused to get in the bed, John picked him up and slammed him on the bed. He also said he swung at Logan, meaning he hit Logan but was saying that it was not that hard. He also then said that while Logan was down, his mom picked him up by his shirt and slammed him down again, ripping the shirt in the process. Logan's mom has told all these things and she goes on the defensive, saying that John's a liar and the reason that he's lying is he doesn't want to get done for murder. She then goes on to trying to lay the blame away from herself and push it on to John saying he would stand Logan facing the wall every day and make it so he couldn't even turn around to look at them. But she allowed this to happen and continue to happen daily. Later in the same interview, when asked if she had ever done anything to Logan, she said he would lie to her and she would grab him, shaking him, shouting at him, saying, stop fucking telling lies. Craig, the 13-year-old, he was also interviewed by police on six different occasions, each time his story changing. Initially, he claimed to have nothing to do with Logan's death. Later, it was found out that he would practice martial arts moves on Logan, the last time sweeping his legs from under him and using his hands to push his head down to the floor, possibly causing the brain injuries. When he was asked about the security camera footage of him and his dad taking Logan out to the river in the middle of the night, he said his dad woke him up and told him they needed to take some trash to the river. He said he didn't know what was in the bags. He also said they tried to remain as quiet as possible so they wouldn't wake up Logan or Logan's mom. Shifting back around to Logan's mom, one thing that stood out was something that tied in with something I earlier said. When police were looking around in Logan's room, they noticed there were no sheets on the bed. The load of wash in the machine that was running when police arrived initially when Ingrid claimed she immediately called that washing machine contained his sheets. Police did testing on the mattress and pillows and found traces of Logan's blood on them. When she was told about this, the truth, or at least parts of it, came out. 
but even then she was trying to save herself by shifting guilt to someone else. She said that John hit the boy three or four times in the stomach, with him saying the only way this boy understands is pain. She also told of Craig joining in with the sweep of Logan off his feet and using his hands to throw Logan's head into the floor. Continuing on with the 13-year-old, during the initial time with police and the first interviews, he did just the same as everyone else, claimed innocence, and was just as you would imagine any 13-year-old would be, a bit timid and quiet. Then, when his involvement in the murder was presented to him, his real self came out. At one point, a detective asked if there was anything he'd like to add, and he says, in a completely different tone, by the way, Yeah, can you tell my mom to fuck off for me? Because she's blaming me and my dad for everything, and we haven't done anything. All three were formally arrested for murder. Their trial lasted over ten weeks as evidence and witnesses were presented, with all three being found guilty and given life sentences in prison, with minimum time served of 29 years for John Cole, 28 years for Angered Williamson, and 15 years for Craig Mulligan. For the ongoing mental and physical abuse of Logan, and ultimately his murder, I hope not a single one of them get out of prison ever. Actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BADLANDSRanch.com slash MC911 today. Because this was an extremely brutal incident that I talked about, I didn't want to end the show like this today. I thought I'd at least try to lighten the mood with some other 999 calls, and these show you that people everywhere call the emergency line for things they shouldn't. Thanks so much, and say. I'm calling because uh, my laptop is closed and I need an interpol department number. You've called up the police to get a password for your laptop? Yes, please. Right, but you do not phone up the police to ask that. We we don't deal with laptops and passwords. Oh, no, I didn't use it because I don't know I don't know that that that, that thing they're talking about. I was using a, a Facebook. Right. We are the emergency services. We deal with life and death incidents. We don't deal with passwords on laptops. But you don't, you it's nothing to do with the police. Do you have a number or I can't deal no, with No, I don't have a number either. It's emergency life or death line here. We don't deal with laptops. We don't deal with passwords and we don't have numbers to give out to you. 
Well, I'm trying to hard to think. I'm pretty sure in my 23 years as a dispatcher, I've never had anyone call me to ask if I could help them with any sort of password reset. So that's a new one for me. I do like the way the dispatcher seems ultra chipper in this, even from the greeting of the call. And I believe she does a good job at explaining that the emergency line isn't for anything to do with laptop support. It's just for life and death situations. So if you're listening to this and are having trouble with the password, just keep in mind, the police are not the ones to help out with that. Barbara Gates? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm calling you from North London. Yeah. I have a major issue here. Like, um, yeah, the thing is, I've been using blue, and I, I don't know what's happening, and it's leaking, and the noise is... And I'm, I'm staying on the on the ground floor. Right. And the noise is going on and on. Like, you know, when the... When, Put it that way when you use the washing machine and it's going tumbling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going on and on like that and it's leaking. So you don't know what to do. And earlier when I called, you said, call 118, but we tried it and it's not working yet. And what? the noise is going on and on. Right. Um, yes, well, this is um, a fire control room here. Um, oh, yeah, but what it, do you reckon I should do then? Uh, call a plumber. For those of you who had trouble hearing what she was calling about, she went to the bathroom, and from the sounds of it, she may have really put her toilet through its paces. Something happened with it, and now it's leaking and won't stop running. She emphasized that the sound of it won't stop and that she was on the ground floor. And she was calling the fire brigade for this. Here, in extreme circumstances, if there's someone with a pipe that's burst and it's flooding their home, and the fire department isn't too backed up with calls, they might go out only to cut off the water, just to help prevent any further water damage. But that's generally for huge leaks, not just because your toilet is leaking a little bit and won't stop running. That might be different in each city that you call. I'm not sure if her place is flooding or not, but it didn't really sound like it, or she would have let off with that. Again, I think the dispatcher gave the best advice, though. Call a plumber. Father Gates? Hi, uh, I, I don't know who to call, so, so I'm uh, calling you and then you can uh, help me. Okay. I have a squirrel, yeah. squirrel uh, that came through my window mm. in my bedroom yeah. and it's behind my wardrobe and it's impossible to move, it's a big wardrobe. Right, so, so, so the squirrel's come in your house and it's gone behind your wardrobe? Yes. Okay, and it's, so it's trapped behind the wardrobe then? Yeah, Just you've got a squirrel trapped behind your wardrobe. A squirrel has come through the window and is now behind the wardrobe. Though the call cut off there, I can imagine her answer. Again, it might be handled differently in your city, but something like this is usually just handled by some sort of a pest removal service. That is, if the squirrel doesn't find its way out of the house on its own. Fire departments do animal rescues, but those rescues are generally for animals that may potentially lose their life or get badly hurt from whatever situation they're in. A squirrel that has run behind a wardrobe can easily run out from behind it. Maybe leave a door open and have a broom at the ready to shoo it out. And speaking of shoes... Excuse me. Uh, I was at Tesco and um, a friend of mine, well, not a friend of mine, an idiot of, 
He threw my shoe on top of the shop of Tesco. Um, I need to get it back down. Can you come in? No, Fargate won't do that. You'll have to contact Tesco. They've got access to the roof. Why not? There's only a ladder up there now. I'll we'll get it done. No, Fargate won't come out for that. So what do you want me to do? Walk around with no feet on my, uh, on my, on my, on my shoe? Yeah, go into Tesco's and ask them to go onto their roof. While I can't verify with complete certainty, I have a pretty good feeling this guy might have had about eight too many drinks. He's saying his friend, no, his idiot, threw his shoes on the roof of a Tesco, which, for those not in the UK, Tesco is a supermarket. He wants the fire brigade to come and get his shoes down. Sorry, even we don't do that in Nashville. Your friend, or idiot as you called him, whatever, the one who was playing a joke on you, one or both of you need to do exactly what the dispatcher said and ask the employees or manager of Tesco to let you on the roof to try and recover your shoes. Though if I were the manager there at Tesco and with this guy and the likely inebriated state that he was in, I wouldn't want them in any sort of scenario where they would enter my store, climb some stairs or a ladder to end up on my roof. I can only imagine someone that drunk would fall at some point and probably try to sue the store. Wait to sober up before you go back and get your shoes. Sorry, mister. Looks like what you said might be right. You might have to walk around all night without feet on your shoes. I've played y'all some pretty loopy calls on the show before and have tried telling you that people call for any and absolutely everything. I'm sure there's a few of you out there that might question that just a little bit. These are all examples of what I've been saying. Have some crazy-ass dream one night, as odd and unlikely as you can believe, and I bet at some point that somebody has called dispatch about something just like it. Thank you all for listening to this episode. That'll be it for this one. As I said in the intro to the episode, Big Time Roller Coaster. Patreon members, if you haven't checked, in the past two weeks you've got two additional pieces of bonus content. For everyone else, hey guess what? You have missed two additional pieces of bonus content. And more in the past. And more to come. Sign up over at patreon.com slash musiccity911. There's a link in the show notes. If you want to help out the show further, there's a couple ways you can do it. A post on the Facebook discussion group showed one of our members named Karen showing off her Music City 911 Y'all Have a Good and Hoodie. Pam asked, How do I get one? Very easy. Just head over to musiccity911.com, click on the shop button. I have all sorts of good stuff on there t shirts, pint glasses, wine tumblers, even blankets and coffee mugs. For you ladies, I've got crop hoodies, flowy tank tops, and leggings too. Well, I guess if you're a guy and you want to wear a pair of leggings, you certainly can. I'm more of a jeans guy myself. Another way you can help out is also on my website. Down towards the bottom of the page, you'll find a button that you can click that helps you buy me a beer. 
It's simply a one-time donation that you can make in any amount you like. That money will go straight to helping keep my vocal cords as cool and relaxed as possible. Though this time of the year, with it getting a bit colder, I might need to change it around to buy me a bourbon. Thanks for hanging out with me and listening this far past the calls. After listening to those last ones, I felt like I wanted to keep up the silliness just a bit. Until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.